Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. You know, it's hard because I feel like we don't know what the situation is. You know what I mean? We think he's, you know, a great player when he's on the field. You know, you know what I mean? But we, we don't know what the situation is. You know, we don't know what's really going on. You know, we probably know as much as you guys know from outside the building. But, you know, if he wants to come back and be part of the team, I, you know, I'm sure we'd open, you know, welcome with open arms. I feel like the majority of this locker room would love to have him in this building. Flat out. I just have all the confidence in the world in our coaching staff, our front office, um, to make the best decision for our team. And that's that's what we're trying to do go forward. And, and like I said, Coach Stefanski's preached all week, you know, we're trying to go 1-0. It's a big game. I don't think it's dividing the team any type of way. Um, I just feel like we're just a hardworking bunch of guys. And like I said before, if there's any way that he can get back in the building, I would be tremendously happy. But you know, we just got to move forward. It was Joel Batonio and John Johnson III yesterday talking about Odell Beckham Jr. And look, what they say publicly is one thing. I saw some quotes attributed to an unnamed player by Mike Garofolo of NFL Media suggesting that that OBJ is a malcontent, doesn't want to do anything. And, you know, when you don't attach a name to it, you always get a little shaky about those kinds of strong opinions. But the bottom line is this, Peter. He's done in Cleveland. He's done. It's over. It was clear on Wednesday when Kevin Stefanski was asked point blank about the report that he told the team on Wednesday morning that OBJ is no longer part of it, and Stefanski did not do a Mike Tomlin mic drop and storm off in response, it's obvious that Odell Beckham Jr. is done. They've spent the last couple of days trying to figure out a separation that will, on one hand, I believe, on one hand, reduce the financial obligation that the Browns have to Odell Beckham Jr. going forward, and on the other hand, have the final contract that gets placed on waivers not so attractive that another team will claim it. He wants to pass through waivers and become a free agent, but the Browns want to reduce what they owe him because he has the right, once he's cut and once he clears waivers, to collect the balance of his salary as termination pay. And they can't, per the CBA, agree that he won't pursue that right. So they've got to shrink the obligation to the point where He doesn't collect all that much, but the salary isn't so low that a team like, oh, I don't know, the Giants would claim him on waivers. 
Mike, I think one of the interesting things about this, and since I saw uh, Mike Silver's uh, post the other day that uh, when Kevin Stefanski, uh, according to Silver, told his team that uh, OBJ is no longer essentially on the team anymore. I mean, what, what I kept on thinking is someday I really want to hear the full story of what has happened to the incredible shrinking Odell Beckham Jr. I mean, can you envision when this guy took the league by storm at the start of his career, nine touchdowns, 940 yards in his first 10 games, you know, Jamar Chase-like, you know, in, in, the, in the NFL. And, you know, he just took the league by storm. And, you know, Mike, it has been nine games and almost a full year, calendar year, uh, and one big injury since Odell Beckham Jr. has scored a touchdown. So at the either either you know uh, Baker Mayfield really uh, has it in for Odell Beckham Jr., which I sincerely doubt, or or there's something about the calls that are being made by Kevin Stefanski that consistently show that uh, you know that he's not looking Odell Beckham Jr.'s way. In other words, that in the mind of Kevin Stefanski, the play caller, that Jarvis Landry, Donovan Peoples-Jones, and the tight ends are more attractive targets to him and that he just loves running the ball because anybody he puts in the backfield runs for five yards a carry. So those are the kind of things. I I don't think it's one thing. You know, I, I really don't. I think it is a combination of factors. The way that Stefanski wants to play, which is a more run-heavy offense than a a guy like Odell Beckham Jr. would really like to be in. So that's just my gut feeling. And, And Mike, as to where he goes and what he does, look, the Saints don't have two nickels to rub together. So if... If Odell Beckham Jr. wants to go and revive his career under the genius of Sean Payton, uh, and Payton, believe me, would know how to feature this guy and to make him score some touchdowns. He just does that. You know, in my opinion, that is the smartest thing. But if he does that, Mike, if he does that, he's got to be willing to make not much money at all because I don't see many other ways that the Saints responsibly, uh, you know, for, for the future of their cap, can bring in Odell Beckham Jr. at the market rate. And and I, l- let me take a step back so everybody understands the contractual posture here. Odell Beckham Jr.'s salary this year is $14.5 million. Now, a little more than 12 of it was guaranteed before the season even began, but for a vested veteran, that's any player with four or more years of service. If you're on the active roster week one, and he was, even though he didn't play the first couple of games, he was on the active roster, not PUP, not NFI. He was on the roster. If you're on that roster, if you're cut at any point during the course of the season, you can collect the balance of your entire base salary as termination pay. That's important because What it allows Odell Beckham Jr. to do if he's cut by the Browns, he gets every penny that the Browns owe him in salary, and he can go to another team 
and make whatever they pay him and keep all of it. He can double dip, which would lead us down another Seinfeld path if we were so inclined. So what the Browns are trying to do, because the Browns could, I said yesterday they have no options. They're in checkmate. Well, the one option they have, and it's not a good one, but the option they have is to say, you're welcomed in the building. We can't lock you out. We can't send you home with pay. That's a product of the 2006 CBA. We have to let you in. We have to let you practice. We have to let you be here. But every Sunday when we put together our list of inactive players, your name's going to be at the top of it. So that's just the way it's going to be for the rest of the season. But I don't think they want him there. Why would you want him there? You're trying to focus on making the playoffs and winning a Super Bowl. You don't want that presence in your locker room because it cuts against the team you're trying to build. And it's a constant reminder that that you've got this guy that it just didn't work out. And maybe some of it is on you for not designing plays to get the ball to him the way that Sean Payton would. So that's why we're in this posture. And what the Browns and Beckham are trying to negotiate is a way to reduce the financial obligation that the Browns have without making the contract that has to pass through waivers before he becomes a free agent so attractive that another team would say, hmm, I'll claim that contract and I'll bring Odell Beckham Jr. to town. He wants to be a free agent for the first time in his career. And Peter, frankly, you know, there are plenty of points we could look at during the two and a half seasons of Odell Beckham Jr. as a member of the Browns. But I think from the get-go, The fact that the Giants dumped him onto John Dorsey and the Browns without Odell Beckham even knowing it was happening. If you're John Dorsey, who's a great evaluator of talent, I'll give him that. But you you can't treat Odell Beckham Jr. that way and expect him to be in the right frame of mind walking through the door. He didn't know he was going to Cleveland. For all we know, he didn't want to go to Cleveland. Well, he had no choice. His contract was handed to Cleveland in exchange for the compensation the Browns gave the Giants. So I think this was doomed from the start. And I remember saying at the start, Cleveland's not big enough for Baker Mayfield and Odo Beckham Jr. And it took a while, but I think that that's been proven. Yeah, but it would have been big enough for the both of them if the offense were designed a certain way, if they didn't have two all-world running backs and a good stable of tight ends and Kevin Stefanski wanted to play, uh, you know, wanted to play wide open bombs away football. I think that he went to the wrong place that, that we didn't know at the moment that it was the wrong place, but he didn't go to the right place for what he wanted his career to be. Because the Cleveland Browns are as, about as close to sort of, uh, you know, an old-style football team can be. They want to be able to throw the ball when need be, but the, most, the, the thing that they really like to do the most is to control the game and to control the clock and to control the ball. And they've got two excellent running backs. And as I said, a stable of tight ends. That's how they want to play football right now. It's just not the right place for for Beckham. The only thing that I will say that, and again, look, we're not inside the building. We don't know what his measurements are like with the trainers and, and is he as fast and is, you know, are, are his movements as good? Have these series of injuries it really affected him to this point because, Mike, look, you know, for whatever reason, for whatever reason, he is an absolute total non-factor. You know, in his last nine games, 24 catches, 
315 yards, no touchdowns, and no impact. So I realize the circumstantial evidence says, hey, Baker Mayfield, hey, Kevin Stefanski, what's wrong with you not using this, this great weapon? Do we know he's a great weapon? Well, we know he's open, but as Sims said, because I asked him this point blank as he studies the film, our defense is still blanketing him, and he said they're not because they're not throwing him the ball. So he's open, but you know, if he's not going to get the ball, he's not the kind of threat that's going to attract those adjustments to say, hey, we better spend some of our resources covering Odell Beckham Jr. But see that play there, Peter? Uh, Sims says that Beckham was the first read. Now, this is a different play. That first play, if we can go back to it, that was with the game on the line against the Chargers. Here, here it is. Watch Beckham flash. Watch watch him. He's gone. Uncovered. Now, now I don't know that he was a first read. Sims thinks he was. I don't know how Baker Mayfield goes off of him that quickly, but those are things we'll never know. They're never going to come out and tell us. But, Peter, there's, there's another side to this as well. It's one thing to say... He's open, he's not open, he's the first read, he's not the first read. Mayfield's throwing the ball, he's not throwing the ball. You also can construct plays to get the ball in his hands. And Kevin Stefanski deliberately did that week four of last year. Browns at Cowboys, 49-38, a rollicking win by Cleveland. Odell Beckham had two rushing attempts for 73 yards and a touchdown. He caught five passes for 81 yards and two touchdowns. One of them came to him from Jarvis Landry. Um, But that was, and I remember talking to Stefanski after the game. Conscious effort to design plays to get and keep Odell Beckham Jr. involved. That's what they're not doing this year. No jet sweeps, no bubble screens, no Odell Beckham Jr. in the backfield. If they have, they haven't done it nearly enough. He had one catch for six yards last week in a key game against the Steelers. So it's a combination of Mayfield not throwing him the ball and Stefanski not doing what he did week four of last year when it worked to perfection against the Cowboys. Stefanski wasn't going out of his way to put the ball in his hands. And like you said, they've perfected the old Jim Brown offense. They don't need to take a receiver and wedge him into the running game. They got Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, and Dearness Johnson. Yeah, here's the other part of that. You know, at the time Cleveland played Dallas last year, Dallas was giving up 40 points every week. And so I'm sure that it was relatively easy for Kevin Stefanski to design plays against that Dallas defense where Odell Beckham Jr. could be his explosive self. And, you know, as I say, I just think one of the things we don't know is how truly explosive Odell Beckham Jr. still is. You know, we just have not seen it uh, basically since that day in Dallas, since his injury in the offseason, and now in these, I think, six games so far this year. Yeah, and uh, he's going to be somewhere else. And I'm told to watch the Saints, the 49ers, and the Seahawks if and when he becomes a free agent. Now, maybe one of those teams are in position where they can claim him on waivers. The Seahawks and the 49ers are higher in the pecking order than maybe, well, than definitely the Saints would be. Uh, but if he clears waivers, Saints, 49ers, Seahawks, I I, Peter, I can't help but wonder what would happen if uh, he gets a phone call from Tommy. And Tommy says, come join the practice squad in Tampa, and we'll show what you can do in practice a few times. And after a couple weeks, they'll, they'll know they got to put you on the active roster. I mean, from Brady's standpoint, he's got one motivating factor, win the Super Bowl. 
if he can get Odell Beckham Jr. to town and we know how close they are and he's still got it, this is Antonio Brown 2.0. Yeah, I think at one point, and I don't, who knows? I don't know this. But I think at some point, Jason Light and Bruce Arians are going to say, Tom, <laughs> come on, Tom. Come on. And and there also there also comes a point. There also comes a point where, you know, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, hey, you're all unselfish people. You really are. But you know, when Antonio Brown comes back fully healthy, all this stuff, you want to get Jalen Darden involved. It, it, you know, it I'm not saying that this won't happen. But you asked me my gut feeling. I think this might be one time where they say to Tom Brady, Tom, you, you got enough. Meanwhile, the Browns and the Bengals play this weekend. Round one of the Battle That's of Ohio big, with the Browns at four and game. four and the Bengals at five and three. Do you think this Odell stuff affects the Browns this weekend? I doubt it. I mean... You know, if Odell Beckham Jr. isn't playing in the game, it doesn't strike me that he's the kind of guy that, you know, half the roster is going to have a mat on walking onto the field in Cincinnati on Sunday and be all distracted. He hasn't been used as a key part of any game plan all season. So why would they be that upset about this? I would doubt, Mike, that it has that much of an impact uh, on Cleveland's game in Cincinnati. Well, happy birthday, Odell Beckham Jr. He turns 29 today, and we reported last night that the plan is for him to be released today as soon as they finalize this revised agreement that gives the Browns a reduced financial obligation to Beckham and that ideally from Beckham's standpoint makes it unattractive for a team to claim him on waivers. And one last point before we go to break. I was told by someone very smart last night that one way to do this is you dramatically reduce the salary, but you throw in some enormous per-game roster bonuses that will make a team say, too much. It's too much. So the salary is what's guaranteed as a practical matter when he leaves. The roster bonuses aren't, but the roster bonuses become essentially a poison pill for a team to claim him on waivers. We'll see what the details are because someone will surely report them once Odell Beckham Jr. is released. When we return, there's other football to be played this weekend. We'll preview some of the big matchups, including possible debuts from Von Miller and Adrian Peterson on the same game, in the same night, on Sunday Night Football. We'll discuss that next on PFT Live. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat. Protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? 
also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Can you kind of take us a little bit inside um, what your long-term vision is, just because seeing this upcoming draft as it looks right now, you guys really don't have too many picks? But the, the interesting thing I always, I, I think I kid it with, um, and I get it where we're at, right? In the, especially in the Twitter age, right? You know, I even got a mug that my kids have given me about what I feel about draft picks. The, the memes are, the memes are a funny one, you have to admit. Oh, I, I have teenagers, so they, it's actually made me a cool dad at age 50. You know, nothing to do with football or that. It's all the memes that are in the metas here. There's the mug, and uh, the mug says on that, it says, bleep them picks. One of Chris Sims' favorite words is, is what's bleeped. Uh, and hey, that's what the Rams have become. They did it again. Second round pick and a third round pick going to the Broncos for Von Miller. Now, part of it too was, you know, they got Von Miller for seven hundred fifty thousand for the balance of the year, with the Broncos eating nine million of what Miller was due to make. So it's it's kind of a of a cash for picks transaction. But still, the Rams aren't afraid to to give up those unscratched lottery tickets, Peter, because they understand what happens. Not most of the time, but half of the time, once you scratch that ticket, it's a loser. Mike, this was a trade for January and February, not November. And, you know, everybody who's going to turn on the TV and look and see number 40, which is Vaughn Miller's new number, with the Rams on Sunday against Tennessee. I think everybody's going to say, oh, my gosh, what what are we going to see? What I mean, what... Uh, is he going to have that same burst? Is he going to have all this? Well, what I'm told is that uh, he's probably not going to play anywhere near full games right now. Uh, I think the Rams are very, very conscious of making sure that he is prepared to be a dominant factor in January, you know, when the games are really going to matter for them. And it isn't like they're saying, oh, yeah, we're, we're already in the playoffs. That isn't it. But I think they believe that a 70-snap-a-game-every-game player, that it's probably not smart to put a guy uh, who's been in the league as long as he has in for every snap. So my gut feeling is he plays, I don't know, 40 to 60% of the snaps the rest of the way, something like that. And they try to get him tuned up and ready to play in the divisional round in January. And by the way, he's the first Ram since Elroy Crazy Legs Hirsch to wear number 40, even though the number isn't officially retired. They haven't used it in decades, and he got permission from Hirsch's family. They got their blessing that he used it. And he was limited in practice yesterday with a lingering ankle injury. And uh, I assume we'll see him maybe a little bit on Sunday night. It's it's going to be very tempting for the Rams to take their, their new car out for a, a little test drive. 
But I agree with you. This is a move made for January, and this is a team that's going to make the playoffs. That We've had clear separation in the NFC. There are six teams that are, that are far and away above the rest, and you've got nine that are going to be scrambling for the right to be the seventh seed that gets destroyed in the wild card round by the number two seed, and it very well could be the Rams, or they could be the one seed. Either way, having Vaughn Miller, Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, Leonard Floyd on defense, coupled with the offense that they have, most balanced team in football. And they become a a favorite to make it two years in a row where a team is playing in the Super Bowl in its own building, Peter. That's what this move was. And, you know, there are teams that will go all in. And and, uh, that was their meme with Teddy KGB going all in, splashing the pot. Of course, Teddy KGB lost. But it's hard to fault the Rams for going for it. You know, and a lot of people will say that, oh, my God, a two and a three? For Von Miller, when he's not going to play all the time and and it might be only for a half a year. And look, I absolutely unequivocally get it. It's understandable. And they might look back and regret this if he can't stay healthy until February 15th or whatever day the Super Bowl is. But I'll also just make this point. I think if you look at what these picks will be, it's going to be somewhere around, and let's just estimate it, 60 and 92. I am not demeaning the importance of those picks, but I can tell you internally, the Rams believe that, look, as long as we get picks, as long as we have picks, and even though they might be 160 or, or, or 192 rather than 60 or 92, I think they value just knowing that they're going to have bodies that they can turn into usable players so that they can have guys on their roster who can defray the monstrous contracts that they have with the stars on their team. Is it a winnable long-term philosophy? We'll find out. But honestly, if the Rams, in my opinion... If the Rams get to one Super Bowl, okay, say in the next two or three years, if they get to one Super Bowl, to me, their philosophy will have been proven correct because everybody wants to be a contender every year and they want to get to have a chance to win that ring. And so if you get there and have a chance to win that ring and every year you're in it, then I think the philosophy is correct. Meanwhile, the Rams are seven and a half point favorites on Sunday night football over the Titans. The line was minus six before the Derrick Henry injury. I'm surprised that Henry's absence only moved to a point and a half because Henry is the heart and soul of that offense. But we'll see if the Titans can stay close to the Rams on Sunday night. The Rams looking good and they have to be feeling good, feeling positive that the front office, that the coaching staff, that everyone believes that they truly are a shortlist elite team in the NFL that can benefit from the presence of Vaughn Miller and he may be the guy who takes him over the top. We are over the top as it relates to time. When we return, Friday's speed round, PFT Live. We'll be back right after this. Meow, 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 meow. Have you ever owned a cat? Yeah, we have. We hated them. Yeah. <laughs> I do. Me? I do. Cats blow. Cats blow. 
and I fully agree. How yeah, dare you? Don't like cats? Come on. I deal with enough selfish people. I'll just use the word people in my life. Yeah. I don't need my pet to be one of them. I'm effing funny. And also, cats blow. <laughs> Those sentiments caught the attention of Mark from Newcastle upon Tyne in England. He's been a Dolphins fan since the 80s, and he watches us every night on Sky Sports. I have a feeling that you and Peter King may have made an arch enemy in my house because this is the look. My cat Jasper has just given me when he heard you and Chris discussing Peter's cat's blow comment on today's show. He definitely wasn't impressed, and he says he's always preferred Sims anyway. So, and, and also, keep up the good work. That's for me, not from the cat. Sorry, Jasper. Hi, Jasper. Uh, anyway, cats still blow. Well, <laughs> Mike, <laughs> is there, does that mean there's going to be a cat fight? Uh, uh, well done all right uh with that said time for today's speed round brought to you by verizon the official 5g network of the nfl what is more likely let's start with what was one of the great games of the season finally aaron Rodgers and patrick mahomes together after being denied in the 2019 regular season denied in the 2019 super bowl denied in the 2020 super bowl we were finally going to have it now we're not because aaron Rodgers isn't playing so what's more likely we feel better about jordan love's potential for next year after this game or we feel better about patrick mahomes reality for 2021 after this game I don't think our opinion about Patrick Mahomes is going to change very much after this game. I think it's going to be a struggle for him and the Chiefs this year. I think Jordan Love is going to hit the national stage, and I think he's going to play somewhere between passably and well. And the reason I think that is because, look, Matt LaFleur understands that he's heading into an absolute hornet's nest, not only playing at Arrowhead, but playing for Rodgers in a game that everyone is going to be watching for so many reasons. So I think Matt LaFleur is going to know and is going to understand, I am going to put Jordan Love in position to succeed in this game. Yeah, I agree with you. We're going to, we're going to, be more likely to feel better about love next year. I don't think our feelings change on Mahomes this year. It's going to be a slog for them. And the hope is win enough games to get to the playoffs and and find a way to turn the clock back to 2020 in the postseason. Cardinals 7-1, 49ers 3-4. Big game for the 49ers at home. What's more likely, the Cardinals win with a ho-hum Kyler Murray game or San Francisco wins with a great showing from Jimmy Garoppolo? I think it's more likely that Arizona wins with a ho-hum Murray game. Uh, I just think right now, although I do think that Jimmy Garoppolo did what he needed to do last week uh, in Chicago, you know, with the two rushing touchdowns, uh, they scratched out a win that I believe is one of the most important wins in the Kyle Shanahan regime. And I just don't think they're good enough especially on defense, to stop that explosive uh, Arizona attack. Next up, and I agree with you. We're more likely, even though I picked the 49ers, if I have to choose between great Garoppolo and Ho-Hum Murray, 
I'll take Ho-Hum Murray because I still don't believe we're ever going to see great from Garoppolo on a consistent basis or at all. Patriots 4-4, four and four, Panthers 4-4. Four and four. What's more likely, Sam Darnold has a mistake-free game or once again, Bill Belichick has the former Jets quarterback seeing ghosts? I, I don't know exactly how to answer that question other than to say I don't believe that Sam Darnold's going to have a mistake-free game. No matter who the coach is right now of New England, to me, the players on that New England defense, last week was Adrian Phillips. This week, it's going to be somebody else because the depth in that defense and the playmakers on that defense, I think are going to make it a tough day for Sam Darnold. All right, let's go ahead and take a break. Show me something for week Nine. We'll do that when this Friday edition of PFT Live continues right after this. Pro Football Talk is brought to you by Verizon, the official 5G network of the NFL. Obviously, what we just talked about in there is, hey, it was a great win, and we're happy we were able to play well in a short week. But um, in all three phases, we need to finish better. So we'll, we'll get back to work and try to get better. This is a 42-10 game, and they scored 20 on you guys at the end. What's your level of concern with the pass defense? It wasn't good late. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think that's what we talked about in there. And really offensively, I think we, you know, we need to make some first downs there at the end, too. Um, obviously, we need to get better. We need to get better. Pass defense needs to get better. We, we need to get better in all three phases in the fourth quarter. How long had the pincer play been in the back pocket? No, actually, uh, actually, it was just in this week, and uh, they were laughing about it all week, hope, hope, or, you know, for a couple of days, hoping, hoping that that would get that chance. He was the last option, obviously. Didn't think it was going to go there, but good job by Carson to find him. You know, coming short week, a lot of emotion, obviously, from last week, and come out swinging the way we did um, that was encouraging obviously we in all three phases love to finish better um, but to get up early and kind of you know those first I think four drives I think we scored offensively um, that was definitely encouraging and something we needed. Were you able to flush last week's game pretty quickly or did it take a little while to get through? Yeah I mean we talked about it you know, seems like yesterday almost um, we had no choice I had no choice when you play a Thursday night game you know I watched it that night and Woke up Monday morning and said it's on to the Jets. Uh, oh, <laughs> what in the world? <laughs> Jasper King. There he is. Uh, what are you saying about cats now, Peter King? Jasper, Jasper really looked. See, I always worry that a cat would kill me in my sleep, and there's nothing about that photo from Jasper that dissuades me from thinking a cat would kill me in my sleep. All right, show me something. Week nine, Peter, you're up. Show me something, Daniel Jones. <laughs> show me something, Daniel Jones. I mean, the reason why I want Daniel Jones to show me something is that the game was there for him to take on Monday night. Too many giant mistakes. And now th this is the last gasp of the New York Giants season. They've got to beat a good team at home. And to me, Daniel Jones has it within him this week, especially because he should have enough at the receiver position you know, to keep Derek Carr and his offense off the field. So show me something, Daniel Jones, against the Raiders at home.
This is the lowest of the low-hanging fruit, and we just talked about it last segment. But I got to say, Jordan Love, this is his chance. This is what he was drafted to be. And when all of the acrimony was happening in the offseason, I felt bad for Jordan Love because he's the only one in that entire drama that had no role or responsibility. He was drafted to go to Green Bay. He was thrown into the middle of this mess. Now he gets his chance to show us, himself, the Packers, and Aaron Rodgers what he can do. This is your moment, Jordan Love. Let's see what you do with it. Show me something, Matt LaFleur. Design a game plan that can win a game when your two best defensive players are out. And when your left tackle, I think uh, he's still out, uh, and uh, David Bakhtiari, and show me something that you can design a plan that can take what Jordan Love does well, that you've seen in practice for a year and a half, that he does showcase what he does well against a defense that has been wanting this year. So show me something, Matt LaFleur. I think it's a big game for LaFleur. Show me something, Taysom Hill. The expectation is he'll be cleared to play on Sunday. He suffered a concussion last month. I think he's the starter, not Trevor Simeon. Now, Sean Payton has a a very good way about keeping that close to his vest. I think Taysom Hill becomes the guy. I don't like him in the jack-of-all-trades role. They don't use him nearly enough. He's making eight-figure salary this year. Prove to everyone again that you can get it done because that contract's expiring and people are going to have to make decisions about quarterback for 2022. So this is your chance, Taysom Hill. Show me something. Say, show me something, Justin Herbert. And look, it's easy to pick on the quarterbacks all the time in this category. But to me, I think what we've seen in Justin Herbert recently is a little bit troubling, just a little bit. But in going to Baltimore, in, in being surprised a little bit by some of the stuff that the Ravens did for him, in being unable to conquer the Patriots last week at home at SoFi, now they go on the road, the Chargers do. They go to, an East, to, to the East Coast again. They go to Philadelphia. And look, it's not an easy place to win, Lincoln Financial Field, even when the Eagles are a mediocre group. But this has to be the game where Justin Herbert lifts his team and, uh, you know, eliminates all the questions that they have in recent weeks. We all thought that this was going to be a premier team a couple of weeks ago, three weeks ago. They have shown themselves to have some zits. Show me something, Justin Herbert. Show me that the face of your franchise can win a big game in Philadelphia. Great call and absolutely right on the money. They have to turn it around and stop the bleeding after two straight losses. Last one for today's draft is Baker Mayfield. Show us something, Baker Mayfield. You've won this showdown with Odo Beckham Jr. The team has clearly and without any hesitation sided with you in the fight that emerged on Tuesday when Odo Beckham Sr. posted the video of all the times OBJ was open and Baker Mayfield didn't get him the football. So Mayfield survives. Still doesn't have his contract, playing through his injury, lost at home to the Steelers on Sunday. This is a critical game. I hate saying must win before Thanksgiving, but if the Browns fall to four and five and end up losing to the Steelers and the Bengals a week apart, that is going to be a disaster 
for the Browns, given what they thought they were going to be this year. So show us something, Baker Mayfield. Let's take a break. Speaking of the Browns, a little extra news that has emerged, courtesy of Mary Kay Cabot of the Cleveland Plain Dealer. We'll share that with you as it relates to OBJ when we wrap up this Friday edition of PFT Live right after this. We reported last night Odo Beckham Jr. is expected to be released today by the Browns. Multiple others are reporting it as well. Mary Kay Cabot of the Cleveland Plain Dealer reports that Beckham has asked to be traded multiple times, including in the offseason as he was recovering from the torn ACL he suffered in Cincinnati last year, Week 7. Uh, he had not said anything publicly, had not acted out in any way that was obvious until Tuesday when we saw the orchestrated effort by his father and LeBron James to get him out of Cleveland. So, Peter, he's going to be out of Cleveland. It's just a matter of working out this deal. He's wanted out, and I'm surprised they didn't figure out a way to trade him if they'd known. You know, it created the impression it all bubbled up on Tuesday. They'd known he wanted out. I, I feel like if they would have really taken the time to try to work on this, they could have found a trade partner. They talked to the Saints, but they just couldn't get it done. Mike, I think two events of this week that happened in very close proximity are related to each other. One, Michael Thomas announcing that he is out for the year uh, because of continuing problems from his week one injury in 2020, turning out to be a colossally bad investment by the New Orleans Saints in the long-term contract for Michael Thomas. But that does leave a hole for a game-breaking receiver, and that does create a situation that Odell Beckham Jr., I am sure, would love to go home to New Orleans, born, raised, went to the same high school as the Mannings, and he would love to go there and to be a puzzle piece, a chess piece, that Sean Payton can drive deep into the playoffs this year. And they can slap Michael Thomas's number 13 onto Odell Beckham Jr., which would be <laughs> a nice little diss if they're so inclined. But it has been a bizarre situation with Michael Thomas and the Saints. Somebody told me over the weekend, I was poking around, what's up with Thomas? Because I thought maybe he gets traded. He's not healthy. And it's like he doesn't even exist that's how disconnected he is from the Saints. And you're right, Peter. It creates an opening for Odo Beckham Jr. to slide right in. I have a feeling that's what's going to happen. Hope it does. That's it for today. Enjoy the games this weekend. Thanks for some of your time. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. 
So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 